This is Until All Have Heard with Ed Cannon, the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. I'm Wayne Shepard, and Ed, we're going to go to the basics here today. I'm thinking of people who may not know a lot about the Far East Broadcasting Company. I want them to get a good handle on what God is doing through this organization, now celebrating 75 years of ministry. So let's let's have that conversation today. Yeah, I'd love to talk about All that. All right. You know, early in my broadcast career, I was a board op at a radio station that played the Bowman Report. It was my job to cue up the tape and put that on the air every day. And uh, the Bowman Report, of course, was with Dr. Bob Bowman, who was one of the founders of the Far East Broadcasting Company. And then for many years, and I think this happened for a lot of people, it was kind of out of my mind what was going on with FEBC. It wasn't really all that visible here in the States. And recently, when I came back into an awareness of the Far East Broadcasting Company, I was astounded at how it had grown over the years and how God has prospered this ministry and the growth of this ministry into so many countries and so many languages. That's what I want our listeners to understand as they listen to us here. Well, we had to go back in history and talk a little bit about our original founding then and and what the original vision was. You mentioned that Dr. Bob Bowman was one of our founders, Mm -hmm. and that's an important thing because I rarely talk about one of the other founders whose name was John Broger. Yes. Uh, John Broger was a very talented technical person. He was serving in World War II as a radio communications specialist in the Pacific, uh, setting up radio communications equipment and signals so that the U.S. military, Army, Navy, and Marines could speak to each other and communicate about their war tactics and what they were actually doing to fight the battle in the, in the Pacific. Well, he, he understood the power of communications in that conflict, and he had a dream all during the war that when the war was over, he wanted to use radio equipment to broadcast the gospel into what he came to understand is a, a nation that's pretty void of Christian uh, influence, and that was China. So when the war ended, um, he was a career military man, so he wasn't leaving. And the government said, well, your job now is to take down all that radio equipment that you put up for the war and then just get rid of it. And he said, what do you think? Get rid of it. They said, yeah, just take it out in the middle of the ocean, dump it in the ocean. Well, (laughs) no, really? He asked if he could keep some of it. They said, what in the world do you want all that equipment for? And he said, no, I'd like to use those radio transmitters to broadcast the gospel into China. And the U.S. government at that time was very favorable. And I said, sure, go ahead. So he uh, stepped away from his assignment in the military, and he got a bunch of these transmitters, and he hooked up with Dr. Bob Bowman, and they created the vision to take the gospel through radio into China. And over the years that um, started in FM stations, they had a signal in Shanghai, and they were starting to broadcast But then the communist revolution came along and missionaries and anything Christian was kind of kicked out of the country. Right. And according to Dr. Bowman, we didn't have any other place to go. So we went to Manila thinking maybe we could broadcast into China from Manila and unbeknownst to them, the perfect location to establish high powered radio communication into China is Manila because you need to be a little further away to get the signal more powerful and as as God's plan was, we located these towers in Manila, which was just perfect. That's a great part of the story, isn't it? It is. It is. And and to hear, I wish I could share with you Dr. Bowman's voice as he tells it, because he really points to the miracles that happened over and over and over 
to get these radio stations started in Manila. But I've heard you tell the story that it went how many years before they got any feedback from any listener in China? Yeah, that's a great story, Wayne. I mean, they didn't know if people would listen. They they knew that people in China had shortwave radios and shortwave receivers, and they knew that our signal was strong in the country, but the missing link was they didn't understand if people were tuning into our programs. They didn't have the modern devices we have today to determine that people are actually listening. It was well before the time of email, of course, and so there's no way to communicate with the people. And so they prayed that this would be an effective signal, but without any knowledge whatsoever, they went year after year after year purely trusting God that as they put his word into that country, people would listen and come to faith. That's a story well, then, of faith, isn't it? That, that That's remarkable. It is. And the um, Hong Kong office had already been established after they had started putting these towers in place. The Hong Kong office would produce programs, yeah. and the programs would be transmitted via big magnetic tape over to Manila, and they'd put them on the radio. But the Hong Kong office got a letter from a listener. And the letter, handwritten in the Mandarin language on a silk napkin, said, we just want you to know that many people are listening to your broadcast. And this is years after they started broadcasting. 13 years, 25 days. <laughs> oh, wow. And they mark it just like that. Huh. And if you go to the Hong Kong office today, they will proudly show you that original letter. Really? That they got from a listener. Hmm. And... It's an emotional experience, Wayne, because they're like, this is a marker. We had such faith for so long until we got this letter from a listener assuring Hmm. that our broadcasts are being heard, people are listening, and we appreciate hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. So it started in China, and of course, then other countries came along. When the shortwave transmitters moved to the Philippines, a whole broadcast ministry started at that point in the Philippines, right? That's right. And uh, we established an office. They called it Christian Radio City. Many of our uh, uh, international folks moved to Manila because it was easier to do the broadcast from there and put them on the radio. Stories of Russian speakers living in Christian Radio City, people from Thailand, from Myanmar, from Cambodia, all moved to Manila because they're given the opportunity, if they're there and we have programming in the indigenous language, they would go out on shortwave radio. So uh, other countries would get interested. For example, Korea, a man named Billy Kim said, I want to hear radio in Korea. So he went and visited Dr. Bob Bowman and said, could we start a ministry in Korea for FEBC? And It's interesting, Dr. Bowman shares the story very uh, specifically. He says, well, I asked Dr. Billy Kim, how much money do you have? And Dr. Billy Kim said, well, I don't have one American dime, but I have passion. And Dr. Bowman said, well, that's enough. And now we have 20-some stations in Korea and a tremendous ministry there under the leadership of Dr. Billy Kim and now many, many others. 
I want to talk about how this is all organized today, but what began as shortwave, eventually medium wave or AM came into existence with FEBC and then FM. And now the Internet is the world's most powerful transmitter. And we use the Internet heavily uh, in countries like Russia, for instance, many, many tens of thousands of listeners uh, on uh, social media in Russia. But let's talk about the organization of FEBC. How is that all glued together and how is that managed, Ed? It's very different. I think it's different than the U.S. understanding of how a large organization works. And we have offices now in 38 countries. Each country has its own director. Uh, We have a charter that governs the way an organization is to be set up. And our original strategic pillars were that we want to always be indigenous. We want local indigenous peoples who speak the local language doing the radio broadcast. Our goal is to have local pastors, pastors of local churches broadcast on the radio, and we do it uh, using media from that country with a director who's also from the country and a governing board that oversees the way that country ministers. Now, we provide funding uh, from the association in general, because certainly we're not going to be able to raise enough funds to support a radio ministry in a poor country like Cambodia, for example, um, in order to keep it on. So, But the funding alone comes from the countries. The decisions about how to broadcast the gospel most effectively to the people in that country are made by the local directors and their boards. And that's an important understanding and principle, because how does an American understand how to communicate the gospel to a Buddhist? Yeah, this is critical. Their understanding and background of what religion is comes from their culture and their life. For example, in the Buddhist faith, spirits are evil, and there's quite an effort amongst many Buddhists to protect themselves from these evil spirits. So if we start communicating with the Buddhist believer that the Holy Spirit will guide you uh, to understanding of the gospel, they don't want anything to do with that. So we must be very uh, ingrained in the culture to understand the way the gospel needs to be presented Mm -hmm. so that people can come to faith. With all these parts, all these different boards in different countries, uh, how do you keep true to the vision and the uh, the founding vision and the gospel message for FEBC? How is that protected? So each individual director and their board chair are part of what we call the International Council. It's a gathering of all the leaders across FEBC, and that International Council has written a charter, a uh, a governing constitution, which is filled with some guidelines and requirements to be a member of the association, an adherence to a faith statement, understanding about what our values are, uh, and how we function organizationally. It requires that we have a board, that the board has a chairman, that they issue financial statements for their country. We have to have a strategic plan. What is your plan to reach the people? And uh, we have to put a report out every year that says each country uh, is obligated to say, how are they doing in terms of fulfilling the mission of the organization? Lest we drift off into other good 
but not strategic elements mm-hmm. of using radio. And with this protection, the message has been clear all these 75 years and will continue to be clear because we're all organized under that central message of the gospel without wavering. Yeah, that's right. I think if you look at adherence to missions in business apart from ministries, it's so important to stick to the main thing. Right. Uh, I just shared an example the other day about how many large organizations uh, that are very popular, people understand them. Sears and Roebuck is one. They they were originally a great catalog company, and they provided retail to people by ordering through a catalog. They kind of drifted off into manufacturing their own products, and now they're making Craftsman tools and Maytag washers, and they missed the fact that their primary goal, their mission, was to provide retail experience via a catalog. And had they stuck to that, Wayne, they would be the uh, Amazon of today Hmm. as opposed to going out of business. That's just my personal opinion. So the key for FEBC, we have a mission. It's to inspire people to follow Christ. And it's just as important to understand what we don't do than it is to understand and keep focused on what we do do. So. While it's very important, especially in these times of coronavirus, to to help people who are struggling with health problems, uh, problems with their family, uh, difficulties uh, with governments, that's not our business. Our business is to use radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and inspire those people to follow him. And when we keep our mind laser-focused on that goal, people concentrate on getting that done. Yeah, and just briefly, look to the future as the Lord tarries. Uh, what what are some of the dreams and plans to, to follow that same gospel message into the future and be proclaimers of that message? What what ideas are out there? Well, I think that's a great question. One of the things I see all the time when I'm traveling around, no matter what country you go to, no matter how poor they are, every child on the street is carrying a cell phone, hmm. and most of them are smartphones. There are more cell phones in the country of India and China than there are people. Imagine that. There's more cell phones. So our dream, our big dream, as I hold my cell phone up, is no matter what country they are, what the rules of the government are, we want to get the gospel effectively communicated in the indigenous language to every cell phone where we serve. Yeah. I think we need to have a whole conversation about that coming up one of these days on this podcast. What do you think? Well, I'd love it. I, it, it. You'll really get me going on that. But I think God has given us technology with the purpose of being able to get his gospel to the world. Hmm. Just let me share one detail with you. Okay. In the country of Indonesia, okay, it's the fourth largest country in the world. Most people don't know that. China's the largest, India's second, America's third, and right behind them is Indonesia, which is also the largest Muslim country in the world. And there's a region in Indonesia uh, is very remote, very primitive, very non-developed, where a million people have absolutely no access in their homes to power. They use Facebook every single day and they make less than $5 a month. So think about those three things. Yeah. Here's a million people earning $5 a month. They have no power in their homes and they use Facebook every single day. And that's the world. Battery powered, huh? Wow. 
Yeah, well, no, they go to these little charging stations that the government provides in the town square. They'll put a solar-powered charging station in the center of town, which gives them a free Wi-Fi signal. They can charge their phone. They can get the Wi-Fi connection. And we're encouraging those people to download the FEBC app, where when they're standing there in the solar-powered charging station with free Wi-Fi provided by the Indonesian government— they can access the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that kind of thing's only going to grow in the years and decades ahead. So that's very exciting, Ed, it really is. Well, I think that's a pretty good primer on the Far East Broadcasting Company for friends who may not be as familiar with FEBC as some who have been around a long time. But we appreciate our longtime supporters and the many new friends who are joining us here at FEBC. So, Ed, thanks for that conversation today. That's a pleasure. You get me all excited, Wayne, talking about (laughs) new technology. All right. uh, We have to talk about that coming up soon here. So thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. You can learn more about us at febc.org. You can hear our radio program, FEBC Today, there at our website, febc.org. Ed Cannon is the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and you've been listening to Until All Have Heard.